0: 2021 NFL Draft, the My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State.
1: Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. You know I have to put in those highlights from Justin Fields at the weekend because I think we've all been hyped over that. So what a way to kind of start off the show. It's great to have our guys back. Anthony, Corey, Robert, well, Dave, Roy, well, we've had all these guys on the show before. I'm gonna start with yourself, Robert. How are you doing today?
2: I am doing really, really well. I mean We talked about this during the season. I'm a friend of the show that the Bears win-loss record was not near as important to me as Justin Fields' development, and he comes out. Look, you want to hear stats? He was the third leading – he was the third highest quarterback rated with EPA per play plus composite completion over – or percentage over expectation. So the advanced stats say he played really well. The eye test says he played really well. You can tell he's coming along. He obviously had – in college you'd call it his heisman moment but this his breakout moment with that fourth and one touchdown i am all things jf1 right now and the fact that an eddie jackson and khalil Mackless defense gave up zero punts to the 49ers is out of sight and out of mind because justin fields one is the quarterback and that is literally all i care about out of this season so far what about you guys
1: yeah, what what is a defense? Like? <laughs> at the end of the day, all we care, all we care about is one person or one person only. Right now, look, Roy, it's great to have you on again. We had you on the show, kind of. I think it was really early into the season, or maybe yeah. even prior to the season. I can't remember.
0: We've done so many shows at this stage. <laughs> How are you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. everybody here. It's a fun team. It's just like Robert said. I, I said it in the beginning of the season. The 2021 season was all about Justin Fields. And it was all about who's going to be here for 2022. Mike Ditka, I think when he got hired, he came into the locker room and said, congratulations, we have a championship team. Sad part is a lot of you guys aren't going to be here <laughs> when in the championship. And that's what we are. We're rebuilding. They don't want to say it. They're not going to say it. We're just picking people who's going to be here for the next year when we make this run. Because it's, it's a new era and I'm excited. Everybody should be excited, even though the defense let us down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's one thing that, it's a little bit annoying that it can happen at the same time. We had a kind of our, our post-game show a few days ago. If you guys did, didn't get to see it, make sure you do check that out over onto YouTube because we kind of broke down all the good, the bad. There's usually a bit of both when it comes to bears. But look, Anthony, I want to come to you as well. What's your, I guess, just your raw opinion of everything that kind of happened at the weekend before we try and move on a little bit?
3: I think I'm one of the only Bears fans I know that wasn't devastated after the result on Sunday. I wasn't. I mean, yeah, look, did I think we should win the game? Yeah. I I was hoping we'd win the game. Was the defence disappointing? Yeah. Was there some things about our wide receivers not getting open, not getting separation? Yeah, disappointing. But how could you not enjoy finally, finally having a quarterback that can do some of the shit Justin Fields can do? How could you not just sit back and go, We've never seen that. I mean, my wife isn't into football at all. She's no interest whatsoever. She had no interest. And I showed her the, the touchdown, Justin Fields' score. And she went, well, that, that's pretty impressive. She is not a clue what she's talking about. No, I don't either, but you get my point. I just I just was so excited just watching that. The results are irrelevant. Kieran, we spoke about this in the very first week of the Irish Bears show. We're not a Super Bowl winning team right now. That's not to say we should tank. That's not to say that we should give up every single match. What we should look at is we should go, what's our development? So, straight away, what did I get out of the game? Khalil Herbert. We've got a running back there that fits Montgomery. And please, thank God it's over about the, about the drafting Montgomery crap. We've got two running backs that can do the jobs so that we really want to have um, weapons around, around uh, Justin Fields. And we've got someone in Larry Borum didn't do a bad job at right tackle. So, straight away, we're starting to see little pieces together. That's my take from the weekend. I'm actually more enthused than I was last week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Corey, um, yourself, what was your I guess biggest takeaway from the game against the 49ers? Because I know there was a lot of there was a lot of good when we talk about kind of Justin Fields, but then there was also a lot of really bad when we actually look at that defense and the numbers really are are not good when you actually have to look at that because it was a shambles in terms of the defensive play at the weekend.
4: Yeah. Well, you guys are really bringing me up. I got to say, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic just after listening to you guys for a couple of minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I, I pretty much agree with all of you. The defense, is kind of a kind of a, a big head scratcher because they've, they've been really decent, especially against the run game and in, in the first four games of the season, the last three weeks, teams have literally been running all over us. Um, so I, 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 really don't know what to make of that. I was really excited about Desai, um, especially after coming off that Rams beating and, and seeming to, to pick up and, and to get to improve, um, only to have this kind of slump the past three games. So I, I'm kind of left with you know, for once we might have an offense going forward if we were able to get everything in place and our defense was solid too. And now I'm kind of like, well, well, now I don't know what the hell is happening obviously after the past few weeks. So, um, but again, on the ups, upswing, Justin Fields had his absolute best NFL game, hands down. I would like to have an offense that didn't require the quarterback to have over hundred yards rushing in order to stay in the game. (laughs) That would just be, you know, my preference, but uh, you know, he, he just showed that touchdown to Jesse James, that fourth, fourth down touchdown, rushing touchdown. Those are inherent abilities that you can't teach that is pure talent. Um, So yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic in that front if we can build the team around him that he needs to succeed.
1: Yeah, that's that's the key thing that the Bears need to focus on now is you need to build around your franchise quarterback that's the that's the key that we need to do and look we'll be talking about all that today in on the show so does anybody that is over on Twitter make sure you head over onto YouTube because you can get your comments in there until Twitter gets his ass together and actually uh lets you comment on on the video so make sure you get over. So you can get involved because there's been some good shots already in, in the comments. But look, I guess before before we start and kind of talk about some of the positives in terms of the Bears, I think we'd be remiss and not talk about one of the key storylines that's actually been going on today because it comes within the division and it goes with our uh, kind of neighbours in terms of Green Bay and everything that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And to say that it's a... I'll choose my words kind of carefully, a crap show that that something like this can happen when there's these stringent rules that are put in place that each team needs to follow, each player needs to follow. And it's actually going to be a really interesting thing to see how the NFL deal with this. Because we've seen in other cases, n- normally it was kind of started with like Ray Rice where something like when it came to all the domestic violence that the NFL just kind of came up with a number and decided to suspend someone for a, cer- a certain amount of time. So Robert, I'm going to come to you. What do you think should be the outcome of this? Because if everything that has come out that's true, where Rogers has come out saying that he was vaccinated before or immunized, whatever he wants to say. And then it turns out that he's not. And I always believe that if you weren't vaccinated, when you had the stuff with the media, you had to wear your mask and, you weren't allowed on the charter plane. You had to go by yourself. And it's we've seen interviews of where he's been with the team, and now you're seeing Devontae Adams got COVID. You, if your backup, one of your backup quarterbacks got COVID, and you can end up affecting many, many other teams. And this year, it's worse than any because if a team can't play, you lose the game. It's not like last year where you can change it around. So, what was your opinion as you've seen this story develop over the last twenty four hours?
2: So to me the key here now granted covid's complicated right i mean in at least the united states it is an almost hilariously hot button issue so at the risk of getting, or uh, to try and avoid getting political i'll just say that to me the most important thing here is that the rules are the rules and the rules are that if you're unvaccinated which rogers is then you're going to be out for at least 10 days And chances are, because the Packers had clearly, I mean, it's on their website, communicated where you could be and where you couldn't be, and Rodgers was in violation of that. It wouldn't surprise me if whether it is an organizational fine or a specific suspension for Aaron Rodgers, which you never know. I think some other extra layer of punishment is in play because it's clear that everyone knew he wasn't vaccinated. I mean, the news did not. It wasn't slow news where. From the moment we found out that Rogers had COVID, we also heard, oh, by the way, he's not vaccinated. So this is where it seems to me that the personal decision to not get vaccinated might end up haunting at least the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers. But truth be told, I think it's fair to say that we're talking about the one player who we could legitimately say might not care about his team over his own career right now. So... I, I don't feel like that narrative fits either. Either way, it's all like long and short, 10 days for COVID, probably a little suspension after that. I don't think it's career ending. He's not banned from the league, right? Yeah. But he clearly violated whether it was he or the Packers, they collaborated to violate the NFL's COVID protocol. I don't think there's a real argument against that. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. It uh, absolutely. And look. Roy, this is where I want to bring you in, because I was trying to think about this today and what my kind of feelings were on it. And For me, I don't really care that it's Aaron Rodgers. I'd want the same if it was whoever, if it was Khalil Mack or Justin Fields. But do you think that this is going to be a case where the NFL are going to have to try and, they have to put their foot down here, because then if they don't, more players will try and take some of these liberties and teams will do that, especially as we get closer to playoff time when it becomes that much more important, and teams may try and bend the rules. And this is where maybe the NFL might have to make an example out of whether it's the Packers with a large fine or Rodgers being, let's say he's, he's going to be out of the game against the Chiefs, but maybe if he was able to play the next game that he got suspended for that game as well. I don't know how they're going to do this, but do you think that this is just one of those cases where they may have to make an example out of the Green Bay Packers for this?
0: I have two opinions on it. There's logical me and there's bear fan me, right?
1: Uh, <laughs> we want bear fan
0: me. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, fun, the 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 boring part is logical me. Yes, he he. Vital. I don't care if you if you get vaccinated or not. The rules are the rules, like you said. If you don't get vaccinated, there's certain set of rules that you have to abide by, An employer can can determine how they want their employees to 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 uh, act within that business. Totally respect that and understand that, regardless. And and yes, COVID and vaccines is a hot topic. Do not even. Joke about it on Twitter because your mentions will get flooded. I know. Bear fan me (laughs) (laughs) thinks that this is Roger's last dance in Green Bay and uh, Roger Goodell is going to make this happen. Like when Jordan had his gambling debt and he went to play baseball and they're going to make it all go away. And magically he's going to miss one game and come back versus whoever they play uh, the next week. And then he's going to continue to uh, terrorize the NFC North uh, throughout the duration of the uh, 2021 season that that's what I, that's the bear fan, you know, and that I fear because a lot of these guys are doing is you superstars in the NFL have power. They do. They've always had power. And 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 he's not the only one. So if you come down on Rodgers, there's a lot of guys who go to those podiums without mask on that aren't vaccinated. So what are you going to do? You know, are you going to go back and suspend all these players? You know, Aaron Rodgers decides, you know what? I'm gonna turn state's evidence and start ratting on everybody. All you guys were at the podium with no vaccine. This guy got a fake vaccine card. You know, it, it can open up Pandora's box. But selfishly, I I want Aaron Rodgers to miss as many games as possible. You know, that's also the Bear fan me.
1: Yeah, I think the most likely scenario is that Green Bay probably get a fine because it's down to the club. Basic based on what the NFL kind of came out and said today in their statement when they were saying that they're gonna investigate they kind of put it on the shoulders of the club that they have to enforce the rules. So I my guess is that they'll get it it's not really a hefty fine when you look at the amount of money these guys these guys make but for our own um facts is that that's i think the most that's going to happen here because again there's going to be so many there's so many different players in the nfl that are not vaccinated some probably aren't sticking with all the rules the fact is i think rogers kind of put his foot in it when he said earlier on the season that when he was vaccinated, if he just said it was a personal decision, I don't want to go into it. I don't think anybody would have said anything about this, Um, but but that's it. And like, I just want to bring one comment up here, because we have our resident Packers fan in the chat, where it says I- I- Ian Rappaport said he didn't lie. He's been following the protocols. I will say that he did say that at the start of the season that he was immunized when he wasn't. And while he may have been following some of the protocols around the facility, the point is, if you're unvaccinated, you're not supposed to be on the charter flight with the team. And there's interviews of Aaron rogers saying he's with the team, and also pictures <laughs> showing that he's with the team there. So he has done it in that some in that way. But look, it is it's one of those kind of crazy issues at the moment for us here in Ottawa. We don't understand how ridiculous like. The talk about it is because over here it's a health issue, and state side it's like this is a political issue. And you, like you said, Roy, you say one thing, and you'll probably have about two thousand people talking to you on Twitter, and you just have to mute the conversation. <laughs> and that's a, that's about it. But look, I I just thought it was important to be able to bring this up because again, it's a big issue. We don't know what's going to be happening kind of going forward. We saw m- multiple games last year get moved and this year that's not going to happen and as we get closer to the playoffs as it's getting kind of closer with some of these teams as well it's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on so with that in mind Anthony we're going to move on to some of the more positive stuff because I have to say our show on Monday was really good we only did seven minutes of negativity it was great (laughs) so we're going to (laughs) try we're going to try and keep it at that now so we're gonna I'm gonna start off with obviously Justin Fields And I just named this Justin Fields masterclass versus the 49ers just because of that insane run because I don't think we've seen a guy, like I know a lot of people have been trying to compare it with the Mitch Trubisky run against the Patriots. And the one thing that I kind of thought about is that I believe Mitch's run started at the eight yard line. And I think there was one guy that he had to kind of get past. You look at that Justin Fields, kind of replay and like i think everybody when they saw that play happen like oh here's a sack here's a sack there was a still that was um put on twitter of him with about five or six 49er defenders in his face and still was able to and that was just him showing like like i'm the best athlete on on the field this is like backyard football type thing and that's what we wanted to see more of from Justin Fields and obviously the touchdown pass was great but we're finally starting to see those steps so how happy were you with what you saw from Justin Fields against the 49ers there's
3: three things on that touchdown that I've noticed since I watched the game where I went back first of all Fields athleticism and ability to see stuff and move that's brilliant Peter's killing somebody when, when uh, Justin's gone around the side. And I mean killing someone, look back at it. He absolutely wipes the guy out. And listening to Mooney after the game, where Mooney said, I didn't know where he was going. I just heard the crowd explode. Right, And I, I think for me, that's what summed it up the best. It was watch the crowd in the highlights. So there's loads of different camera angles of this, of this touchdown. Watch the crowd. And it's, that's what, for me, and Corey mentioned about where we're getting the optimism from, that's the moment that I'm getting the optimism from. The rest of the game for me was 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 difficult. I think that I was very disappointed. I know you said it in the show on Monday, Karen. I felt sorry for Justin on the interception because Mooney should catch that ball. And it just looked bad in the stats. I know people, I don't really care about stats, but from Justin's own perspective, it was like, oh, he threw another pick. And it was like, okay, no, he didn't. If you look at the picks, that one especially, that wasn't his call. He's trying to push the game and to get that. But overall, the whole game, it felt to me for the first real time that it was his offense. Uh, he felt like he was in control of what he was trying to do, and he was in control of trying what we were trying to get. He was then done by some penalties that, that knocked us back when we get into red zones and stuff like that. But it'll come. And what I really liked about it was you you had those young guys coming through, the likes of, the likes of Borum, as I said, the likes of Herbert. But Justin Fields seemed to be putting people into positions to play. He, he put... Cole Komet in with a great chance of getting a touchdown. Didn't pick the ball in. I think people have been a bit unfair. That was a tough catch, but still, you expect your tight end in year two to probably make that. And if he makes it, suddenly you're going, we scored 30 points. And everyone's talking about, oh, well, Nagy wasn't there. That's why we didn't score. That's why we scored 30 points. No, we close to, close to 30 points because Justin Fields is our quarterback. And I think that's where you want to start getting towards that we start building towards that. And and again, I, I was listening to a, a fantastic other podcast. I'm listening to Bear Down report and anyone this is a fantastic podcast and and literally um like ryan does it it's a really emotional part of what he's saying about the, about, about the team and where what, what are we doing this for and why are we doing this i shout out to ryan it was fantastic man but i was listening to that and i was going because of justin fields that's why we're doing this that's why we're still here imagine we didn't have him imagine we didn't draft him and we had jenkins who's out all season i mean that's when i'd be sitting there going jesus Christ, what what are we doing? Why are we here? So so that's what I took. And a masterclass is the perfect world. It, it really is. It's a fantastic work for, for how he performed, I Yeah,
1: I completely agree. It's it's always been something that we've kind of wanted to see that towards the end of the season, we've always said that as long as we feel confident that Justin Fields is the guy, it's a very successful season that we didn't expect this team to be able to make the playoffs or if it if they did it was going to be one of those backdoor ones where they don't deserve to make it like last year but look cory this is where i want to bring you in justin feels he obviously we saw development in terms of his the passing game he seems more i guess calm and he kind of knew where he was going with the football but you also have to bring in that kind of running attack that we finally got to see that the stat was that he had four design runs up to that game. And when you have a guy with the athleticism of Justin Fields, it seems madness that that was one of the stats. Like They had Trey Lance at like 22 or 24 design runs, and he had started maybe one football game. It, It was insane. But he got 103 rushing yards, which was the most by a Bears quarterback since, I believe, 1972. So... How impressed were you with his performance overall in the game on on Sunday?
4: I was, like you guys were saying, I was absolutely impressed, even, even knowing the kind of athlete that he is. Um, you know, I think we saw finally him getting into a little bit of a a rhythm. The entire offense got into a rhythm, I think, with moving the chains down the field. It's kind of funny how, you know, that touchdown pass to Jesse James, it's, he has a little, a little bit more rapport with the players that he got to practice with in training camp, you know, funny how that happens. Um, But I think that we are still starting to see him get that same level of comfort and rapport and, and rhythm um, with Mooney. Hopefully commit, man, I know, I, I don't know what to think of him, um, but you're right. That was, that was a tough catch, but again, feels ability to run just opens up our offense that much more. I should say opens up our offense with a head coach or an offensive coordinator that knows how to build a scheme around him opens up our offense so that much more. Um, you know, you 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 can't play over the top too much if you know that your quarterback's gonna, you know, totally burn you on on the run. Um, so it it gets me really excited going forward. If we can just get somebody who can develop him properly, who can build that offense around him, I think that it it could really become one of the premier offenses in the league. Um, And, and it could really become like Ant was saying, Justin Fields offense. You know, I, I think getting his input, trusting his intellect and letting him have his say into how this offense is, is run. I think that is going to also be the key to, to just letting everything explode and his run game is going to be a big part of it going forward. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, Robert, one of the things that like we have to talk about as well is when we talk about Justin Fields is obviously it's it helps when there's a little bit better protection. But then obviously with all the rumors that kind of came out around the kind of trade deadline and all that sort of stuff, and we will kind of talk about kind of the future going forward, but all these rumors just go to show that there's not really been a lot of help for Justin Fields in terms of his offensive skill players, and we expected a little bit more. Like, at the start of the season, you would have expected a lot more from Alan Robinson. We expected more from Cole Komet. I think Jimmy Graham's had one catch in the entire season. Um, You have multiple players on the offensive line that have been injured or have been out, and it just looks like the offense has been, whatever running back is there, Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, and that's it. And you can't build an offense from there i was trying to think about this is if we want to project where this offense is because i heard a very a a very good i guess conversation earlier on today where people were talking about the defense and the players that will actually be there when justin Fields is good and he's the main guy and i just turned that around to the offense and for me we know that alan robinson is not going to be here next year So you have Darnell Mooney by himself and we don't really know what else is going to happen at the wide receiver position. I kind of think about it. If you're looking at a team that's winning playoff games and trying to make it to the Super Bowl, realistically, Darnell Mooney is probably your third option at a wide receiver position. And we're having to treat him as the number one option because the recruitment or the picks or the signings at the wide receiver position just haven't been good enough and obviously a disgruntled Alan Robinson from last year hasn't gotten much better where we're seeing this lack of chemistry we they keep saying but at the end of the day like Justin Fieldsman has been been playing since September it's November now like sometimes these excuses have got to stop and you have to start making plays so what's been your opinion I guess of the development of Justin Fields so far and then actually looking at those options and those wide receivers, tight ends, skilled players that can actually help him out a little bit. So it's funny you ask. I feel like now, granted, what
2: is it? Uh, It is 6 p.m. Central Time now, and in three hours, I'm going to be going live and talking a lot about Justin Fields. But I'll condense everything. To me, the secret sauce to Justin Fields' game on Sunday is that he played fast. He is, I think, a really thoughtful player. He, especially at OSU, really likes time to go through his reads because he wants to go through them. He actually – like, he's not a take-one-look-and-go quarterback and really has never distilled his game down to that. But on Sunday – He decided that he was going to come into the game with the specific idea of you're going to take one look, sometimes two looks. And if you don't get what you like, you're going to go, whether that's hit your check down, whether that's run the ball. It like you talked about, he entered the game with four called runs. He left the game with five called runs. The other nine were all like play action rollouts where he decided that he could run the ball instead of throwing the ball and, made the right decision for the most part that fourth and one that's a pass play like if you go back and you watch it it's a pass play that he breaks two tackles on diverts the other direction and that's exactly why darnell mooney goes wait i'm blocking now okay and just rolls with it justin played fast I can't speak for the rest of you guys. I never thought his 4-4 speed showed itself quite like it did on Sunday where he looked like he hit an extra gear. There is an aspect to what it looks like for a player to play without hesitation, and we saw that on Sunday. Now... Can he grow that into going one, two, three reads and then making that play? Can he keep that play speed while adding more components to his game? I think he can. He's obviously come a long way in just four, maybe five weeks time. So I don't think I mean, I still think the sky's the limit, honestly. But the best part about Sunday's game, in my opinion, is that he looked like a very talented rookie that still had areas to fix. Like, he's by no means a finished project, but you finally saw why there was reason to believe when, whether it was advanced statistics, box score scouting, basically everything except hoping and praying told you, Ooh, Justin's still not playing great. And hardcore film apologists like me would look and say, I think, I think he's fine. He's just getting killed out there. But we finally got a game where you could hang your hat and say, That's why. That's why you believe in this kid. Quick note on the other stuff. You know, it's funny you talk about chemistry. It has been six weeks, but NFL teams do like two walkthroughs and one real practice per week when you're in season. Most of the season's like time is spent recovering. It takes like three days to get over the bumps, bruises, and minor injuries that a lot of guys would sit out for if they weren't professional football players, and that's just what they deal with, kind of hockey style. So to Corey's point, I mean, those training camp reps would have been really helpful. It's not an accident that Jesse James looks most familiar with Justin Fields right now. Not to mention, you talk about A-Rob in particular. Who are the quarterbacks that he spent his last decade with? I'll tell you, it's Christian Hackenberg, it's Blake Bortles, it's Mitch Trubisky, it's Nick Foles. So the idea of Robinson being accustomed to a quarterback that'll break out of the pocket, reset his feet, and launch the ball 40 yards downfield, let's just say that's a new experience for him. I don't know. I'm sure Allen Robinson's probably not sticking around in Chicago, and I know I've gone on too long. But the gist is all this comment about chemistry issues. I think they're real. I don't think it's been long enough to just magically fix it in season. And I do think the coaching staff has to own the fact that if, as rumored, they were always planning on playing fields since week four of the season, it is ridiculous that he didn't get more time with the number one wide receivers. But that's neither here nor there. We're just happy that he put up 275 total yards.
1: Yeah, I completely agree when it comes, especially when it comes to the reps. It's, it's the reason why all the fans, all the media were saying it and the coaching staff are kind of just laughing it off when it turns around and it's week two and Justin Fields is already in there and we've seen there hasn't been a lot kind of going in terms of when we're looking at Alan Robinson. And the reason why I say that, at some point in time, the idea of chemistry has to go out the window because – It would be different if you're seeing gradual kind of improvements with with it, but you don't really see that. Alan Robinson is still getting whatever it is, three or four targets a game. And I don't it's very strange that you normally would have your number one wide receiver and your young quarterback would be kind of the best of buds because they're they're the ones that are helping each other out. And you're not seeing it. You're seeing it with Darnell Mooney when Justin Fields is is under pressure. Who does he target? It's always Darnell Mooney and ideally as a Bears fan you would probably want that to be Alan Robinson because for as good as Darnell Mooney is you know that Alan Robinson can be a guy that can change the game for you that can win you a football game and it's it's tough when we kind of look at this so Roy I want to bring you in on on this one as well especially in terms of I guess the weapons around Justin Fields so we're going to deviate a little bit to kind of looking a little bit further on and what the Bears are going to be able to do to try and improve this. Because we've always mentioned on the show, this year was always about developing Justin Fields. But then from here, it's going to be about kind of surrounding him with the talent for him to succeed. Robert mentions that Justin Fields has always been one of those guys that wants to go through their progressions. The problem is when you have two seconds to throw the ball, you don't have time to go through your progressions. So what's been your opinion about, the progression of fields this year, and also some of the weapons that he currently has.
0: Okay, quickly, I'll touch on the, the progression. This this takes me back to my my sports playing days. My my games pretty much was basketball, right? I have cousins that played D one basketball when I was in high school. They were they were playing college ball, and I used to play kids my age, and I was like one of the taller kids. I was the most athletic kid, and then I would go to college campuses and run full court with D one collegiate athletes. Now I'm the shortest guy on the court at 6'2". two, <laughs> but, and and these guys are six foot seven, six foot eight, and I couldn't do the same things that I was able to do with my own age group. And so what happens is there's a transition. You're still good, you're still talented. There's an adjustment period when you step up. It's called playing up. You play up. There's an adjustment. And Justin Fields had to go through that adjustment. He is now playing Alabama every week. Actually, he's playing better, a team better than Alabama every week. And the game has to slow down. Eventually what happens, you adapt and you overcome, and the game just slows down. You know, I can't do that anymore on this field that I used to do there. And you just adapt. And the guy, as smart as he is and athletically as as he is and how smart he is and how hard he works, I always knew that he would overcome that. That was never a worry. It was like, that's just going to take time. There's nothing you can do to make up that time. It's just something that just happens. If you've ever been in that situation, you just know it. It can be martial arts. It could be anything. Uh, it just has to slow down. Uh, and so the weapons I was speaking on this, I, I, I was saying this and I got a lot of, heat. I got some heat. I don't say a lot of heat. I was saying the bears have decent weapons. They don't have great weapons. If you look at teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, they have weapons upon weapons. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have uh, 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 Evans. They have uh Godwin. They have, uh, Antonio Brown, they have Scotty Miller, who's out. They have Gronk, O.J. Howard. They have all these guys. They have multiple running backs. That's why when, like, the, the uh, Montgomery thing, I push back against them. When they were like, oh, we got Cleo Herbert. We don't need David Montgomery. I'm like, no, you need both. You need both. You need Cleo. You need Tariq Cohen to get healthy. If you let Allen Robinson walk, you need to bring in another one, number one wide receiver. And on top of Darnell Moody, you need to bring in another wide receiver. Oh, yeah, and you need another tight end to pair a Cole connect. And you need to be on bring reinforcement on the offensive line. You have, if you want to be a Super Bowl contender in the modern NFL, you have to invest, invest in the offensive side of the ball. Olin Cruz, who I love, he points this out all the time. Where's the money? On the Chicago Bears, where's the money? It's all on the defense. Who on the offensive line is getting paid? Cody Whitehair. And then you wonder why your offensive line is bad. Allen Robinson is the only wide receiver making money you know you, you look at it and then you look at the defense and we put so much pressure on the defense all these guys on defense the defensive line the linebackers the pass rushers the safeties the cornerbacks well not the cornerbacks right now but that's where all the money is the bears are going to have to invest money and in draft picks on the offensive side of the ball especially now that you have a young budding franchise quarterback Justin Fields as michael jordan said the ceiling is the roof <laughs> uh this this that's what it is he He is that guy. You have him now. Build. Build. Keep him here for the next 15 years. and we will be like the Green Bay Packers, the Seattle Seahawks, where we'll be making the playoffs every year, year, and we'll be a Super Bowl contender for the next 10, 15 years. The time is now.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And we've been talking about this a lot, Anthony, on the show, about having to build with Justin Fields. So I'm going to bring this into kind of two topics. It kind of goes with this week and everything that happened at the trade deadline or everything that didn't happen at the trade deadline. And I've always said, I said it on the show on Monday. I even though we were talking about the possible trade scenarios, that the most likely scenario was that nothing was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Um, now, what this tells me, though, more of is what are, what are the job securities going to be for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. There's been obviously a lot of rumors that Ryan Pace will somehow not be the GM but get moved to a different role in the organization and that kind of still baffles my mind considering you can be shitty at your job and still get a promotion. (laughs) Makes no sense only in sports but there we go. Like it's the one thing that I never understand when we talk about how they say there's no football people within the Chicago Bears, yet they have so many alumni that are close to the Bears that do shows, that do all this stuff that they could easily bring in. You don't need to be bringing in some old geezer like Ernie Accorsi. Go go get some of the guys that constantly have to do their homework on the team, that are watching every single game. Like Roger said, bring in Olin Cruz to maybe help you see if an offensive lineman is good enough or not. <laughs> like There's, there's always suggestions to help this team so my first my first question to you is around kind of the trade deadline with kind of what it tells us about matt nagy and ryan pace and kind of moving along to what we were just talking about and how to build around justin fields what do you think is the best way to do that for this upcoming season because we all know this year is purely about the progression of fields next year has to be surrounding him with the talent to where he can win football games yeah, I
3: think, first of all, isn't it great that it took us 38 minutes to mention Matt Nagy's name? Uh, that's the first thing I'll say on that. I love that. Uh, keep going. We should keep doing that. A Matt Nagy free zone or something. Um, I think Roy made a very good point, and it's one that we've kind of spoken about as well, Is and it's we need to go, and I'd even go with a figure, we need to go 70% of the money on our offensive side of the football and 30% on our defensive side of the football. If that means we lose some of our bigger names on our defense, so be it. Um, because we need to start looking at, like, we need to get Borham as many reps as we can to see if he is that right tackle, or maybe even left tackle that we can have. We need we need Peters to literally be standing over Jenkins when he comes back and explaining every part of the, the game, because we need to get our offensive line right. We need, we need to then look at exactly what our rookie contracts are and what are we developing with that rookie contract group? And then we're building from there on scale positions for me. And it's interesting that that Roy was talking about a, a tree. His his podcast The Tree Kings spoke about uh, a Rob way way back, when it was all story of a Rob getting his extension. And and the, the lads were giving it loads about a Rob doing a Rob should get a full contract, and they were having a full debate about that. And I think now it's not even a conversation. People were talking about a Rob getting traded at the at the weekend, and. Or yesterday, and the reason he didn't, I'm assuming, is because we couldn't get anything better than a third round pick, which is what we'd got as a compensatory pick anyway. Um, I think it's to the stage now where we really need to look at what exactly do we want Justin Fields to look like? What's the team going to look like around him? What kind of players do we need to build into that into that mindset? And for me, it's about getting that right. Yesterday, for me, solidified the fact that I think both uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on heads on the block. Because it would not surprise me if they went and asked about OBJ, for example, right? And said, Oh, we need we need a we need a receiver for for Justin. What about what about OBJ? Someone like that. And maybe, maybe, and I'm pushing it here, McCaskey or Phillips actually woke up and went, No, no, you're not gonna throw more money down the road four or five years. You're just not. And in fact, do you know what? I don't even know if you are right too. And I think Pace has put himself to Nagy, unbelievably so, in the last not to be picking. with. So if Nagy goes, Pace goes. And I've been kind of thrown on that regularly. And then back yesterday, for me, said they're both gone. The question you asked that was, what do we want to build around about Justin Fields and how do we want to do it? And for me, it's next year. I know what you say about win now. We have to win next year. I actually don't think that's true. I think what it is is we have to have pushed on to a scenario where we are at a position pretty similar to what Buffalo Bills did. And I know you spoke with this Karen on Monday, where the Bills went from six and ten or six and eleven and flipped it to where they are now Super so Bowl kind of pretenders just before. So it took them three years to do so. And it's about trying to get as many of those people put into positions that we can that we can make that that work. So it's about getting rid of players who are on massive contracts. It's getting rid of the one-year deals that we have going. And while our dead cap scenario will probably be horrendous next year, it's about building stuff and starting to put stuff around them. And if that means it's... If we only trade on the offensive side of the ball, if we only go free agency with offset offensive side of the ball, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I completely understand that one. And actually, just as you mentioned with... OBJ. That's an interesting one because it looks like he's about to get released by the Browns with everything that's going on. So that's not a great situation for them. It's it's a tough one for many teams to figure out because again, it all comes back to that saying, is the juice worth the squeeze? And with OBJ, he's been recently injured, all this sort of stuff going on. It's I don't know. It's it just shows it's gonna be an option in the offseason because if he's getting cut from the Browns I can only imagine that whatever team is bringing him in it's only going to be for the couple of games and because I don't think a, a team is going to want to have to pay OBJ what he probably expects to, to get paid so that's definitely going to be an interesting one but look it is something to kind of think about kind of going forward because you, you do look at that wide receiver position do you just focus in on the draft for that or especially if you're going to lose Allen Robinson because the problem is if you're going to lose Allen Robinson and you didn't want to trade him for whatever it is, a sixth or a fifth because you knew you could get a third comp pick, it means you can't spend much in free agency either because if you spend, you then screw up that comp pick. So if you want that third round pick, then you're basically going to be getting guys at the bottom of the barrel or guys that are not proven and you're going to try and bring them in. So it comes to that point of, we're probably going to see more of this try to be built through the draft and i guess the positive side on that is that we're seeing more and more wide receivers every year be successful later on in the draft but yeah it's it's definitely an important one I, i guess going forward and look Corey, one of the questions that i want to ask you is just going back to the game against the 49ers was that the first kind of snippet of life without matt nagy because I know a lot of people had this conversation on Monday morning. Was it just the team that the Bears are playing against or was it that this can't really be just a coincidence that we the offense looks pretty dire for, let's just be honest, three seasons and the one game the Matt Nagy is not there and we actually see a tiny bit of life. I'm not going to pretend like the offense was great. We scored two touchdowns, that's it. And one of them was just Justin Fields' ridiculous run. So essentially we scored one kind of designed play for for a touchdown. And But the thing is, there was two quotes that kind of came in that really kind of stuck with me. And one was from Justin Fields where he essentially said he didn't care that Matt Nagy wasn't on the sideline because he doesn't talk to him much anyway. Or And then the second one was also from Justin Fields when one of the reporters asked him, If Matt Nagy had messaged them and he said, "Yeah, he did," and they said, "What did it say?" and he said, "Oh, I didn't read it; it was too long," like that. (laughs) That kind of shows like Justin Fields is the most important player on this team, and he, like, for example, all of us. If your boss texts you, you text him back. (laughs) Like, but Justin Fields clearly, I just feel like the players are going to start to know towards the end of the season what is going to happen here. So. What's been, what's your opinion of this? Do you think that it was just a coincidence that the Bears were more successful when Managhi wasn't there? Or do you think that it's actually something there that even if he's not calling the plays, that he still has kind of that veto power if Bill Lazor wants to call something, he said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Call a different one.
4: Yeah, I think that it's, it's probably a combination of a lot of things. You know, it's, it's Justin Fields getting more chemistry, getting more rhythm. Um, but also, we, we've we talked about it the entire season that Matt Nagy cannot get out of his own way. He cannot set his ego aside, completely give the play calling over to Bill Lazor. Even when he did give the play calling over to Bill Lazor, he couldn't even give him credit. And he continued to say, well, everything goes through me. You know, I'm, I'm the final say. I, I mean, it's it's laughable at this point, you know. I he he needs he needs to go see somebody. I think talk about his ego, um, but then, <laughs> not to psychoanalyze anybody. Um, but I do think I think what we're what we're seeing with Justin Fields in terms of those comments is his intellect, you know, I think that he is so smart that he knew from the beginning and understands that whatever Nagy has been trying to do. And I don't think anybody still knows to this day, what he's been trying to do, that it, it, it wasn't working, you know, and as much as Justin Fields could use his natural abilities and his talent to try to get that offensive working, you know, if, if you don't have the right scheme and you don't have the right, you know, read of the defense and everything, everything from your offensive coordinator, you're not going to get that offense off the ground. And I, and Justin Fields, he, he knows that he absolutely knows that. I think that Nagy and pace are on the hot seat, regardless of what happened at the trade, that deadline, I think Kieran, you were completely right. This isn't, you know, baseball or hockey. We obviously Everybody was saying everybody except Ryan Pace was saying we're probably not going to see anything happen at the deadline, which is just the irony is hysterical. Um, but I, I think that there's obviously life after Nagy. Look, the Bears are going to have to win five of their eight games if they even have like a crying chance of making it into the playoffs. I don't see it happening. Personally, you know, we still have the Packers, we still have the Seahawks, we still have the Cardinals. It's it's not going to happen. So I think what we're seeing is is the very slow death of the Matt Nagy era. Basically, the Bears have never fired a head coach in midseason. They're not going to start now. Um, Pace is a toss up. I personally wouldn't be super excited to see him as president. Football operations because he had such a big hand in in hiring Nagy. Um, we were kind of talking about it that at least it wasn't like a Bruce Arians Mark Trussman total f up like we've seen in the past. Um, but if you're an expert at football, I would expect you to kind of vet your head coach a little bit more if he insists on play calling to make sure he knows a little bit more than just the one scheme that Andy Reid obviously, you know, spoon fed him. So, you know, I, I think that seeing what we did against the 49ers is Justin Fields gaining more confidence, first of all, and also that he with a certain kind of offense around him, we're going to see more success. And at least that's, I'm going to stay optimistic on that side. And if the bears can get this decision right going forward, uh, we, we could have, you know a a fantastic 10 to 15 years like roy was saying um i don't have like all the confidence in the world that that's going to happen um but i'm trying to trying to stay optimistic we're trying to keep it a good show um so you know i i think that is the is the is the deciding factor going forward is how the bears handle that um obviously that offensive coordinator and, and head coach position
1: yeah look Robert, I'm gonna bring you you in here. You're one of the more positive Bears fans that I know out there. I remember from the first time, we probably did one of these podcasts where you're positive about Nick Foles coming up into a certain game. And so what I wanted to talk about is kind of piggybacking on what kind of Corey was saying there is what would you hope to see if the Bears do kind of looking kind of into the offseason? Because we all know what's coming. We all know that. There's very little chance, like Corey said, to make the playoffs or to even have a chance to win five of eight games. This Bears team is not good enough to win five of eight games unless you're playing the Lions eight times. That's the only way that's going to happen. So in an ideal world, what would you like to see this Bears team do once that final game of this season is over? Reset, sell off, start over and build with what you got. To me, the number one thing I'm
2: worried about, like, you talk about how I'm pretty positive, and I am, like, to pick on the Foles thing, I liked the fact that he looked through the field, but man, we got Jacksonville Foles, and I was really hoping for Philly Foles, we thought we might have had a little bit of that in Atlanta, but the point is, is that we can't keep kidding ourselves, right, do we want $30 million of cap space, or do we want thirty-one? 32 and 33 year old Khalil Mack over the next three years. You got to make these choices and you got to make them relatively soon, or you're going to wake up in 2023 with a roster that looks vaguely similar to the Seattle Seahawks around Russell Wilson. And you could see how well they're doing. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks in my honest opinion have had one of the generation's best quarterbacks and a roster around them. That's limited them to being just good if, if good ish sometimes with a guy who's able to just pull wins out of his butt, not dissimilar to what we see in green and yellow, just a little further North of Chicago. I mean, what matters to me, is that the bears don't keep acting like Tevin Jenkins is going to fix an offensive line that has Sam Mustafer and Jermaine Effady on it. I mean, that's not even a shot at Tevin specifically, but Ryan Pace tends to think what our defense needs is Robert Quinn. What our offense needs is a very highly paid for rookie left tackle and draft capital. The bears need more bodies. They need youth. They're one of the oldest rosters in football. They need to start over. All their best players they're paying high dollar for, and with Roquan Smith being the one defensive player, maybe Jalen Johnson too, that we're not and or that we're not paying high dollar for, we're about to potentially pay him like top of the cap money. So I think that whether you fire pace, which would be my preference, or you promote him out of his job seat it doesn't make a difference to me the bears need in my opinion to boil down to the to what's going to be there in 2023 2024 and beyond and basically take 2022 as a year to pay their debts because if you front load all of your dead cap you don't need oh you you don't have to carry it in 2023 and beyond and with justin fields you got the time to do that like spend on some young draft picks on the offensive line, potentially hire some offensive linemen in free agency that'll stick around for a little while. Sure, make the offense decent and let the defense rot for a season. But, like, I don't want to take 10 wins now so that we can only cap out at 10 wins going forward. I would like to be a contender. And to be a contender, sometimes you've got to – like turnarounds happen fast in the NFL. This isn't baseball. You don't have to take four years to work your way to finally one contending team, but to act like this bears roster doesn't have some warts on it that might need some cleaning. I think personally would be being a little bit too optimistic.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Like when it comes to the offseason, I would be all for trading some of these kind of higher price defensive players that we have on the roster and improving the offense and, basically trying to set up justin fields in a position where he can succeed and then from then you're able to build on that the following season to where you really should be expecting to win i completely agree with you when it comes to seattle you just did a look at russell wilson in that rookie contract he had a, an excellent defense a terrible offensive line and one or two decent weapons there and he had marshall lynch and they were able to they were able to do it and you want the bears now to start like we said, move the money from the defense and build it into the offense because that's the only way you're going to win anything nowadays. Like we've seen, the likes of the Chiefs go in and win a Super Bowl with a very average defense, and we've seen it happen in other times. All you need is that if you can have an average defense with one or two kind of very good players on that defense, which the Bears do have, that you can build this thing correctly. But it's not going to be one year. It's going to take two or three years to do this, but the problem will be if you have someone like Ryan Pace making these personnel decisions where your offensive line coach thinks Jermaine Feddy can be a Pro Bowler, like it that just does not make sense to me. And like we can all blame Pace for bringing in kind of Larry Bourne. We can say, oh, he's brought in Borm. He's brought in Jenkins. Jenkins is out injured. He has to bring in Peters. But it's more than that because. If that happened, but you had a really, really good interior of your offensive line, you wouldn't look as terrible as you do. But the problem is, Cody Whitehair has had a terrible season, to be honest. Sam Mustafer can't play. Like, he's getting pushed back. Every single time they zoom into that, to the offensive line, the defensive line, you're seeing somebody absolutely murder Sam Mustafer. And he reminds me of the Jaronis Grassou years for. The Bears. It reminds me of that. I think it was the Chiefs game when we were basically on our two-yard line, and he got pushed back nearly. He nearly hit the goalpost at that point. He got pushed back so far. So it needs to change. Hopefully, we get to see that change coming up. And look, I think we're coming towards. (laughs) We talk about last year where there was that six-game losing streak. We're not going to be too far off that if we (laughs) we don't hurry up here, but. We have our Monday night football game. And Roy, this is where I want to bring you in. What would be your expectation going into this game? Because I think a lot of people a couple of weeks ago were saying, oh, this is a very winnable football game that the Steelers look out of sync. But then in recent weeks, you just see they had a very impressive game against the Cleveland Browns. It's the Bears are constantly shooting themselves in the foot. One of the comments here from Alan is definitely right in terms of the offensive line. So there's just so many penalties that happen. So anytime the Bears get an advantage, they kind of kill themselves with it. The one thing that you look at the Steelers is that they rarely do that. While they're not the explosive team of the last couple of seasons, they still are good enough to win these types of football games. Having to go to Heinz Field, Monday Night Football, Bears kind of need this going into that kind of, I guess, their bye week then heading into Thanksgiving What's what's your opinion kind of first thoughts of this game on Monday?
0: I'm not that optimistic, uh <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm usually never optimistic the negative. I'm, I'm 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 a realist. And I'm just I d i do don't because the offensive line, we just talked about the offensive line. We got Sam Mustafer, he's getting pushed backwards, Cody White There's probably three guys on this entire offensive line that I would even keep for next year. And one of them having played it down. And that's Tevin Jenkins. I would keep Jenkins. I would keep and I would probably keep James Daniels. The rest of everybody, I'm I'm, I'm letting go. They, I, yeah. I would total rebuild on the offensive line. And we're playing the Stillers. They have a pretty good defensive front. They have this guy. His name is Watt. <laughs> He's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty Watt. good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have a – it's going to be like the 49ers game, in my opinion. Justin Fields, the game is slowing down. He's going to flash. He's gonna make some plays. In, into what is, is what what Corey said is also how to just to go backtrack on that. Was it Nagy being going? Or was it just, it was Justin Fields? Because look at the plays he did to roll out to his left and threw the ball to was it Jesse James and he ran. That was all Justin Fields. That was just Justin Fields. The game slowing out. He'll probably do the same thing. He'll probably wow us, make a couple of plays, and ultimately the Steelers are a better team. They're a better coach team. Mike Tomlin. I wish Mike Tomlin would come to Chicago. Uh, I wish not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've, I've always had like the real urge to want like Mike Tomlin or Sean Payton just Yeah, to, me yeah, too I, saying,
0: <laughs> in, I would like kill either one I hope this, yeah. this, this thing just sucks so we can take him away
1: uh, I know, like Sean Payton could literally make me a good quarterback <laughs> Like, that's, <laughs> like that's, that's how good he is But look, we are going to go into kind of one of our kind of fun uh, aspects of the shows When we're kind of Get a couple of guests on, we get to talk about the upcoming game and it all comes down to our predictions. So with this, we always do one ball prediction and our score prediction. Anthony, because you're very reminiscent of a certain head coach that's in Chicago, I'm gonna let you go first. Hopefully you'll be hopefully you'll be closer to the game than our our head coach will be, because like again, we don't know where he is. He could be in Alaska for all we know. So
3: that's another one, like, just grow up, you absolute mobs. Just say where you are, you dick. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I, talk, I wasn't going into a rant about the guy that looks like me. I really wasn't. Anyway, you just pushed me over the edge. Um, this week, yeah, look, I'm on the Bears. I think Bears going to win every game, every week. I've always predicted. Bears win every single match. doesn't matter who they play. Um, I... I
1: that's why you I, lose I always, a lot of money there. Anthony. That's why that's why I don't bet on them. That's why I don't <laughs> bet
3: on them. Um, no, I just I just I just worry about this week. I, I really do. Actually, do you know what? I actually I'm getting to the stage where I don't care about the score. I just want to see development and I want to see progress. I want to see like not just in just the field, I want to see Borum have another good game, I want to see Herbert having another good game, and I want to I want to start seeing that stuff coming in. Uh, I haven't mentioned his name in around seven weeks. I'd love Daz Newsom to get another shot. I'm not just saying that because I'm Mr. Daz Newsom fan, but I genuinely would like to start seeing him get, get called up and people like him to get to get brought in. Um, prediction of the game, I can't see anything but the Sailors win the game. But I think it becomes a lot closer than, than people do, and I think we actually get closer to 30 points than I think. Yeah, oh, thanks, bro. Oh, cheers, K. Thanks very much. Um, But like, what I what I think or score prediction? I'm gonna go. I think our defense is in trouble, and Sean Desai is, is a conversation we haven't mentioned so far. And I'm, I I just would like to see a kickback from Sean Desai because he got his ass handed to him last week. So I want to see a kickback from that. Look, there's talks that Mac will be back. That'd be a big. That's a big thing if he is. Um, I get what Robert was saying, but Mac is still, as as was proven last weekend, he's a really important player for the Chicago Bears. Well, long way around, what score am I thinking? I think we'll score 30, but I think they might score 32. So I think that's where it's coming from. Why do I think we'll score 30? Because I think Justin Fields is starting to cook.
1: I was I was um, gonna say, Anthony. I need some of what, whatever you're smoking. If you think the Bears are scoring 30 points, well, okay, okay, I'll
3: go back. Okay, we play, we play the, okay, the 49ers, right? If Cole Komet takes takes that catch, and if Santos gets the kick, don't say it, Karen, don't say it. He's not human. Don't say it. If Cole Komet gets the kick, and Santos uh, as Cole Komet catches the ball, and Santos gets that's that's 30 points. But they if take- Mooney takes the ball, yeah, but that wasn't just the field's fault.
1: That wasn't even the scheme's fault. That was two individuals' fault. And but they still play right. for. It. She... But they still play for the oh. team, and that's the that's the point. Like, oh, yeah, I still think. I still think. Ball prediction, 30. go. <laughs> okay, 32-30 What's my ball prediction?
3: My ball prediction is Santos does not miss a kick.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, Robert, I'm going to come to you next. Bold prediction first, then we'll go with our scoreline prediction.
2: Bold prediction, Bears defense does better than they should, and it's not really because they're good. Honestly, they are. I think a lot of people came into this season telling themselves that Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, Danny Trevathan, Alec Ogletree, Travis Gibson, just to name you know five of their cover guys, and that's, that's assuming Eddie comes back, which he won't, so also teased to board now, are good. They're not, unfortunately. Like in the wide world of things, are some of them good pick, good value? Maybe like Vildor out of the fifth round being a CB3, love it. That's great. But a CB2, that's a lot to ask of him. But uh I don't know if you know this, Anthony, because you picked a 32 30 game, but the Steelers have scored over 20 points twice this season in seven games. The Steelers just won their game against the Browns 15 to 10. So I tend to think that the Bears defense is going to turn in a quote-unquote good day just by virtue of playing an offensively inept team, which makes this game hilarious because it's two offensively inept teams playing each other. My ultimate score prediction, I think it's going to be the world's most boring 13-16 to Steelers win. Bears will cover, but the Steelers are a better team, and if memory serves, the Bears take them on at Steelers. So they're really good at home. So I I wish I had better news because normally I like to look at a lot of these games and tell myself the Bears are a better team than some people tell them so, or tell them they are, especially on weeks after losses. I mean, man, Bears win a game. They're going to the playoffs. Maybe they'll even squeeze out a win. Bears lose a game. They're never winning again. Maybe they'll beat the Lions. The truth somewhere in the middle. But The Steelers, like uh, Roy said, they're a really well coached team and their defense outperforms its talent level like crazy. So it wouldn't surprise me if they stymie a Bears offense that probably won't be able to run the ball. So then it's just a matter of what Fields can do. And who knows if I could be really honest, this isn't even a bold prediction. It's like a bold, like foreshadowing. This would make a lot of sense to be a game that if Justin Fields popped off, he really could be the difference because there's not going to be a lot of points to go around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, Roy, yourself, how much are the Bears losing by this week? And uh, uh, what's your ball prediction? Uh,
0: I don't think it's going to be like a blowout, but it's like when it comes down to this, like unless Justin Fields like has this break, like the, the 49ers game was a good game. I mean, I'm talking about like a 300 passing yard game, three, four touchdowns. Like he just goes insane. That's how they win this game. So I'm like, Robert, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be like 21 to 17 or something. I think the Steelers win just because they're at home. The Bears, to me, when the Bears start losing, they have to prove to me that they can win, you know, multiple times. When I see things, when I see the defense just getting gashed, we're like the get-right team, right? If if your offense is having a bad time scoring, guess what? The Chicago Bears are coming into town. (laughs) (laughs) We just gave up 30 points. So guess what? You're gonna score 30 points versus us. And hopefully they reverse that trend. Cleo Mack is a big deal. Eddie Jackson, even though he doesn't tackle well, he still covers well. Losing him was a big deal, especially when you got Tease Tabor. I haven't heard that had heard of that guy since he was in Florida. So but you know, <laughs> I hope we win. I I really do. I'm gonna root for the Bears. I'm gonna hope they win. I'm, you know, I'm not you know I'm trying to be a killjoy, but I just I just don't think we will. You know, so 21-17. My bold prediction, just a field's breakout game if we do win.
1: There you go. Corey, what about yourself? Bold prediction on score prediction.
4: So uh, my bold prediction is that the defense will actually get a stop and the Steelers will actually have to punt <laughs> because literally the 49ers didn't punt the entire game. I mean, how – how depressing is that? Uh, so that's my bold prediction. The Steelers will have at least one three and out. Um, and yeah, I think the main reason that the bears are going to lose is because it's Monday night football and the bears absolutely suck when it's Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, when they're on the big stage, when everybody's watching, when everybody's paying attention, that's the exact moment that we take to take. So, um, I can't stay optimistic, especially after that 49ers loss. So I'll probably, probably 2017 bears probably right around there, but I like Roy's prediction about Justin Fields falling out because that honestly, if, if that can happen and we keep seeing him progressing and we keep seeing that development, that's going to keep all of our spirits alive just a, a little bit in what could otherwise be a seriously depressing season.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting comments here. So this is this is one goes to the boring type of game. Bears nine, Steelers six <laughs> would not surprise me with these two offenses this season. There's a couple of other funny ones. So I think Brighton has 10-7 for Bears. You're all going to be you're all going to be this shocked. My, when
3: it's a sixty two point game, lads. You're all going to be absolutely stunned.
1: Uh, this is still my favorite one: six to eight beers. So not even just the Bears. It's just how many beers you're gonna have by the first quarter of the Monday night football game because you're going to have to stay up and you're going to need to drink something in order to keep watching this game coming up. But look, I think I I do agree with most of you in terms of if the Bears are to win this football game, it's because Justin Fields has made another step forward in his development. And I feel like that's a possibility. But again, I've always said, until the Bears prove to me that they can score, I'm not gonna pick them to be able to go out and win games unless I feel very confident in that. And there's not many of those games <laughs> that are left in the schedule, unfortunately. So for me, I have the Steelers winning 17-14. And I the, my ball prediction is I think Justin Fields beats his running record that he just got last week. So I'm gonna say he gets a hundred and let's say five yards this time. So hopefully we get to see A bit of an improvement there we get to see hopefully it's a bit more exciting than we expect hopefully it's what Anthony is saying and the Bears can actually score 30 points but somehow I I kind of doubt it a couple of comments here just to kind of end the show so we usually get embarrassed on primetime games this is true um this is definitely a good one take the under yeah anybody doing it take the under because there's not going to be much going there and again look it's it's definitely good to be able to go into a game where there's, I guess, genuine hope that you might see improvements. Um, but it, it goes to what we said earlier on the season, the result doesn't really matter as much. And it's more about seeing how Justin feels and this offense can progress. And really that's, that's the main thing. Look, it's been great having you guys on, um, again, Everybody can listen to the show, whether you prefer the audio versions, you can kind of go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, really wherever you get it. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, but you can catch all the videos that will be on YouTube. We will be having a couple of more videos coming out soon as well. I know we'll probably have our post game show, which will probably be after Monday, just because of how ridiculous time it's going to be. At. I think it's at like 1.15 in the morning over here. So like We're going to need something To keep us up Anthony If this game is going is to be boring That's why
3: I, That's why I said It was a 62 point game man Because if I have to stay up Till 4 o'clock in the effing morning To watch a 9-6 game Which I will by the way I'll watch every minute of the game If it's 9-6 Swear to God My laptop's gone out the window
1: Yeah Absolutely Look Hopefully that's the case. Guys, make sure you do head over to our YouTube channel. Make sure you just hit that subscribe button. Follow these guys over on Twitter as well. All of them produce really, really good content. As Robert said, that he's going to be doing a real long video later on about Justin Fields, so you're not going to want to miss that. Robert, you want to tell the people where they can find some of that stuff as well?
2: Yeah, sure. Just check me out on WindyCityGridiron.com. That's WindyCityGridiron.com. And my YouTube channel is Run Pass Opinion. So run pass option, change it for opinion.
1: I'll see you at nine. Absolutely. Roy, we've always enjoyed kind of having you guys from the Three Kings podcast on on here. It's always been, it's a really interesting one to be able to listen to. I know you guys, sometimes it's really hard for you guys to be able to meet up because you're all in, like different areas and stuff, yeah. that, stuff like that <laughs> so stuff like that. do you want to tell people about kind of some of the stuff that you guys have coming up over the next week or two
0: yeah we at uh three kings of uh, the midway podcast we're on apple Pod uh, spotify eventually we're going to get on youtube but eventually we gotta get to get a time in collaboration where we're going to do it but you know you guys can check us out there we're all on twitter uh Everybody – a lot of guys who probably know who we are. You see us on your timeline. So, just just interact with us. We all have different opinions. That's kind of what makes us, you know, unique because we disagree so much with each other. You know, But we all – it's all love and we all get along.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look, guys, it's, it's great to be able to have everybody on. Again, we will see you guys next week for more of this. We'll be breaking down everything that goes on with the Steelers game. All we can say is hopefully the Bears – Get a win on Monday. We'll be a bit more, even more positive next week, and we don't have to be thinking about all the bad stuff, especially when it came to the defense. But I think we limited pretty well on the, on the show tonight. So it's look, it's been great. It's really great having you on, Roy, Robert, Corey, Anthony. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us again. It's been obviously as usual. It's great having you guys on. All we can say is when we finish up these shows, is bear down, bear down, bear down.
0: Bear down.